0: This is Madeline Lenore, host of Cult Movie Attack, and I want to tell you how easy it is to share what you're passionate about with Anchor. If you're new to podcasting, Anchor makes it simple to get started. They have easy-to-follow editing tools, cool musical selections, and no restrictions on how much you can record. Anchor will also distribute your podcast across multiple platforms. They even have options that allow you to accept donations and monthly contributions from your listeners. And what's great about all this is that it's free. That is a big deal if you're like me and working on a limited budget. So, if you're looking to dip your toe into podcasting, give Anchor a try. Again, it's absolutely free. Go to the Anchor FM website to learn more. Because of the content of some movies, there may be discussion of violence, gore, sexuality, and other mature themes. The show may not be suitable for some listeners, including children. Discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cult Movie Attack. This is a podcast dedicated to reviewing cult movies while also exploring their impact on film history and pop culture. I'm your host, Madeline Lenore. We continue with a series covering choices from MGM's Midnight Movie Collection. For this episode, we look at an atomic doomsday picture Released in 1962, it played into the Cold War when relations between the United States and the Soviet Union were at their most hostile. With the two superpower countries seemingly on course to destroy each other, this fear was reflected in movies. AIP entered the genre with this film where Academy Award winner Ray Millard both acted and directed. Today, we talk about panic in year zero. Harry Baldwin, along with his wife Anne and their teenage children, Rick and Karen, leave their Los Angeles home for a camping trip in the Sierra Nevada mountains. A couple of hours later, the Baldwins notice bright lights coming from behind them. Spotty news reports on the emergency radio station suggest that an atomic war has started. This is confirmed when the Baldwins see a mushroom cloud hovering over Los Angeles. The family first try to return to the city to rescue Anne's mother, but soon realize they can't as the roads become swamped with those looking to escape the nuclear fallout. As he sees society fall into chaos, Harry says their family must continue to their mountain retreat and take cover. The Baldwins stop to buy supplies in a town that has not yet been overrun by the fleeing L.A. crowd. Harry tries to buy guns from hardware store owner Ed Johnson. Johnson withholds the guns according to state law because Harry wants to pay with a check. But along with Rick, Harry attacks Johnson and runs away with the guns, but says he will return to pay for them. Back on the road, the Baldrons are confronted by three young criminals, Carl Mickey, and Andy. Harry and Rick manage to scare them off. After a tough trip, the Baldrons reach their destination and takes shelter in a cave Rick found on last year's vacation. They listen to the radio and wait for order to be restored. They hear that's what's left of the United Nations has declared the crisis to be year zero. Harry and Rick discover that Ed Johnson and his wife are staying next to them in the mountains. Anne eventually convinces Harry to check on the Johnsons in a couple of days. When he does, he finds that the Johnsons have been killed by the three delinquents they confronted on the road earlier. While washing clothes in a creek, Anne drops the plows. The two younger lawbreakers find it. While Karen reads a book, they they attack her. Anne scares them off with a rifle and consoles her daughter. When they make it back to the cave, it's confirmed that Karen was sexually assaulted. Harry and Rick search for the two rapists and find the farmhouse where they're staying. Harry shoots them dead. Harry and Rick then hear a noise and find a teenage girl, Marilyn Hayes, who's been kept in a locked room where the goons have also abused her. She tells the Baldwin men she lived there with her parents before they were murdered by the attackers. They free her and Marilyn returns with them to the cave. A while later, Rick is out with Marilyn chopping wood. Carl, the third crook, sneaks up behind Marilyn and forces her to drop the rifle she has. He asks her about what happened to his brothers, Mickey and Andy. Rick throws a piece of wood at Carl while Marilyn breaks away and grabs a rifle and shoots Carl dead. During the struggle, Carl fires a shot with his pistol and hits Rick in the leg. Marilyn tells the family about a doctor in the nearby town of Paxton. While driving there, they hear on emergency radio that the enemy has asked for a truce and year zero will soon be over. They find Dr. Strong's house and he helps Rick says rick has lost a lot of blood and needs a transfusion he tells harry to take rick to an army hospital more than 100 miles away or he will die in a few hours on the way the group run into an army police patrol that is reinstating order after a few tense moments the shoal the way, the group run into an army police patrol that is reinstating order. After a few tense moments, the soldiers allow them to continue. The soldiers say they are among the good ones who escaped radiation exposure by being in the mountains when the attack happened. As the family drives to the hospital, a closing title card says, quote, there must be no end, only a new beginning, end quote. Originally titled Survival, AIP honcho Samuel Z. Arkoff said AIP decided to put Ray Milland and Frankie Avalon together on screen because they brought in different fan bases, and quote, "the combination adds up to an attraction." End quote. In an interview, Avalon said that the movie came out to good reviews and it made its money back in Los Angeles alone. The movie's success led to Avalon doing a string of films with AIP over the next several years. Panic in Year Zero tries to show what actual conditions would be like after a nuclear attack. From post-World War II until then, public service announcements and earlier atomic attack films had shown an optimistic viewpoint with everyone working in an orderly fashion. This offering from AIP was among the first to imply that nuclear war would cause society to collapse. In a departure from bigger doomsday movies, a suburban family is used to shape the story. The context becomes clear. Humanity will fall, and the only rule is everyone must fend for themselves. Panic in Year Zero does a solid job of creating a frantic mood, even with the typically cheap AIP production values. On par for AIP, we see the Baldwin's car and camper go around in circles on the dirt roads, as well as watching a handful of cars being looped to show scared Angelenos running for the hills. In one scene, the Baldwin family car stops at an intersection to watch heavy traffic go by, with that traffic being represented by uneven grainy shots of an LA freeway. Even with fuzzy visuals, Ray Mallon keeps the tension high as Harry Baldwin, a typically normal man who abandons his morality to keep his family safe. Gene Hagen, who is best known as Lena Lamont from Singing in the Rain, is good as Anne Baldwin, the wife and mother who slowly realizes that the old rules of society no longer exist. Pop star turned actor Frankie Avalon is a bit old to play the teenaged rig but does well as being the right-hand rifleman backing up his pistol-packing father. Mary Mitchell as Karen Baldwin and Joan Freeman as Marilyn Hayes mostly serve to anger the audience as both girls find themselves on the wrong end of the lawbreakers. Panic in Year Zero must have seemed like an early primer for men during the early 1960s already hearing about the Cold War daily. The movie shows that the line between guarding your family and becoming a criminal is thin. We see Harry take advantage of one gas station owner unaware of the destruction in LA and punching another gas attendant looking to price gouge, raising his prices from 34 cents a gallon to three dollars. Harry also robs and holds a gun on honest hardware store owner Ed Johnson then refuses to share food with Johnson and his wife when the two men meet again in the mountains. Yet Harry and Rick truly feel bad to find Johnson's dead a couple of days later. But the Baldwin's emotions over the situation go unexplored. Panic in year zero takes its premise only so far. Beyond photos of mushroom clouds, most of the atomic war is only heard about through a simulation of the real life Conrad emergency radio station. We see a bit with the Los Angeles masses flooding the streets in hopes of finding safety. One small town has a roadblock to keep out the arriving city crowd, a theme that became common with outlaw movies. But even with that, lawbreaking is mostly kept the gas station owners getting punched and the three punks who murder and rape in a contained setting. The Baldwins see the goons a couple of times, and it's implied that hearing Rick should have killed them during their first encounter. Having two rape victims pushes the movie's narrative of what dad and brother should do to protect mom and sister if doomsday really happens. The picture concludes with a ray of hope with martial law being introduced. The character of Dr. Strong serves as the voice of pro-military authority. He tells the Baldwins what has happened since they were in the mountains. Apparently, dope fiends ransacked his town. In a situation where nuclear bombs were dropped and a major city is in complete panic, the idea that drug addicts being the worst thing possible is laughable. Of all things, the movie's biggest issue is its music. Not to say that it's bad. In a less serious film, the soundtrack, composed by regular AIP contributor Les Baxter, would have been better received. But in this picture, the upbeat jazz selections come across as straining to create tension that was already being covered with the script and acting. Panic in Year Zero carefully avoids the scenes that require more than its simple production could allow, but it still makes good on its primary idea and creates an aura where the audience can imagine the end times and project themselves onto the Baldwins, wondering if they can make the choices Harry did. The idea is as interesting now as it was in 1962. Panic in Year Zero is a worthwhile watch and a fascinating look into a time that may still hold true today. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cult Movie Attack. This episode was written, narrated, produced, and edited by Madeline Lenore. That would be me. If you enjoyed the show, please tell other movie fans about the podcast. One way to spread the word is to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram. They have the same handle, and that handle is Cult Movie Attack. That's all one word, Cult Movie Attack. Also, please consider showing your support by donating at my Ko-fi page at ko-fi.com backslash cultmovieattack. Contributions will be used to help improve the podcast. I post information about upcoming episodes and any special events across all my platforms. So please follow the show and keep up with the comings and goings of cult movie attack. I hope you join me again as I continue my journey to watching and reviewing these movies. Thank you and remember to cult it up. Be good and take care.